fine Blowing up like dynamite, I never meant to make you cry Make your mind up Hello and welcome to your new weekly edition of the Cybrox The Rangers podcast. My name's Scott Patterson, you're very welcome. Joining us as always on the pod this week, Tommy McIntyre joins us. Hi Tommy. Hi Scott, how's it going? Very well, and yourself? Yes, good, thank you. Decent weekend? Uh, yeah, it was actually. I managed to shoot a reasonable round of golf and then true Scottish weather style, what is it, April? Started yep. off cloudy. Midway through the back nine, and we're not talking the Masters here, by the way, um, unless it was a master class in how not to play a course. Um, then it went scorching sunshine, and towards the back end of the back nine, it was snowing. By the time I got home, it was hailstones. <laughs> Truly welcome bizarre. Yeah. Uh, welcome, April. And joining us in the pod again this week is Robbie. Hi, Robbie. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, very well. Thank you. Good weekend yourself. It was good, it doesn't sound as eventful as Tommy's yet enough. But, Were you, uh, I, you golfing I, this weekend? Uh, no, but I was watching it. I was watching it well, trying to take some tips. Um, as you know, I'm trying to get into it, but doing so very, very poorly, so trying my best. Did, um, did you win anything at, from the old bookies at the, the weekend on the golf, Thomas? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't gamble. I had Scottish Eiffler on each way. And I think he was tied 18, so I think it was 6 to 1. Not a bad shout, wow. but obviously no good enough. He wasn't in the top 11, so it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't gamble because I don't like the idea of not being able to do the risk stuff, right, and losing my money. So I, I've only ever put one sure thing on that came up, and that was obviously Rangers winning the title this season. Oh, so that was, that was just money in the bank. Though. It's a double winner. It's very nice, I like that. This Ibrox podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage insurance and your mortgage insurance needs. Contact them as early as you can, 01453-887-179 or via email, hello at hhhmortgages.com via their company website. They can reach that triplehmortgages.com. Similar address on Facebook, that hhhmortgages.com. As you'll know by now, if you if you jump on and you speak to these guys and mention my name, Tommy, Robbie, or indeed Willie Boyd, they will look after you very well indeed from start to finish. We should note that we also have a Champions Top giveaway that will be coming very soon via all of our social media channels. So we urge you to, to look out for that over the coming weeks and we will release more on that as, as we have it over the, the next couple of weeks. This week on the pod, we speak about the... Women winning again at the training centre yesterday. We will do a little bit on the new contract for Liam Balligan. We'll also speak about the look ahead to the Scottish Cup game next Sunday. We now know it's at three o'clock. Thomas, we'll start with the league game, the first of five to go this season, of course, and we welcome Tib Tybrox at the weekend. Convincing, perhaps not stuffy, absolutely. Uh, yeah, first of all, playing fast and loose with the word welcome. Not entirely sure I would welcome that team anywhere. Um, but I, I do appreciate they turn up and you have to let them in. But uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there in that, you know, joking aside, uh, that analysis, I thought we started relatively, relatively kind of in control, but without really, really opening them up. Yeah. Then we, we got our goals, really good quality goals. That, that was the, the shining highlights of, of the game. And then there were large periods, particularly in the second half, where it all got a little bit stretched and lethargic and, Hibs, if they would have been on their day, could have, could have taken more than just the one chance. Yeah. Actually. Um, and then it was ultimately a little bit, I don't know about you guys or the rest of the, the listeners and watchers, but it was just a little bit of a, 
oh, this could end up being a point, as opposed to, you know, being fully in control when it was 2-0, I think, after, keep me right here, I think we scored the second in the 63rd, 62nd minute or something like that. Yeah. Um, but those last 12 minutes after Hibs got one back were a little bit ropey. And I suppose, in one way, it's good that we got out with the win. Uh, and the other way, you know, performances haven't been stellar by and large recently. And that's fine if you're winning the title and all that kind of stuff. But really can't take that level of performance or lethargy into the weekend's game because it's a statement game. And I can bet your bottom dollar that um, our rivals from across the city will be really up for it because it's their last chance for any type of silverware um, and really we can end their season in, in April so that's probably the, the one big warning but there was uh, definitely would I say it was deserved three points I think on balance yes I would Robbie I felt we we started the game okay the game was almost split into quarters in many respects I thought the the sort of first half of the first half, if you like, I thought we played relatively well. But that second part on the lead up to half time, I thought we looked like we'd just taken our eye off the ball a little bit. Did you not? I, as much as even you say that, I don't think there was sort of any period in the game where we were as dominant as we can be or normally are. And likewise, it's probably well, one of the most vulnerable we've looked as well, I think. Touched on it previous weeks again. Don't want me too critical of it because there's not been many things that have went sort of full away this season, but I think definitely we spoke about the potential weakness that sides will look to exploit for us, and I think again it showed it's probably as in a wide area. Uh, so I actually think probably our other games against Hibs, 10 points for 12 against Hibs is, is a really good return in any season, uh, but being totally honest, it's probably been quite fortunate for us to, to get that many points against them because they have been pretty, pretty dangerous. And, but another common team I think is They've probably been one of the few teams that have looked to exploit our left-hand side as opposed to, as I was saying last week, our right, because I think that other teams maybe think about the threat again, whereas maybe not so much our right-hand side, but I definitely think that they felt that Martin Boyle's maybe not got to beat in a Barisic, but certainly seems to, you know, cause my view a problem. So I wouldn't really say at any point in the game we were as convincing as usual. However, again, the difference being from this season to the point everybody's been making is an old cliche, but the difference between this season when we're not playing too well is we're still able to grind out these results. I wouldn't say we've done it through, you know, McGregor making any outstanding saves or us being ultra-clinical. We just seem to, to get over the line. And when you look at seasons gone by, a state-winning teams, it's a, it's a very good quality to have. However, I think it's worth noting that you can only get away with saying that so often, and it is really important to to keep drumming in these good habits because as Tommy said it's a huge game next week and it is easy to get sort of lethargic and keep your foot off the boil a wee bit but I think when you've still got a Scottish, cap, uh, Scottish Cup to win then I think good habits are really key so hopefully we can kind of address some of the issues we face at the weekend and sort them come Sunday 3pm now. Um, sorry just because it just is something quite interesting in that as well and I agree with what you're saying there Robbie. Um, especially the interesting three o'clock on Sunday point. But, you know, the game was pretty characterised by that um, boyle Borna barisic dynamic. Yeah. And particularly in terms of Boyle seemed to be really good at exploiting the corridor between Barisic and Herlander. I don't yeah. think he went round the outside more than really once. There was a good run at one point, he went round the, the far side of Bar- Barisic, he didn't track him. Um, I think Barisic put in two blocks, actually, when Boyle was trying to cross at that point. But he was really good at exploiting that, that little gap there, and you could see a lot of chatting going on between Herlander and Barisic off that. 
but but I do agree there wasn't a host of chances. But behaviourally, we are it's like any game, but particularly Rangers at Ibrox this season. We are used to dominating, and for a large portion of that game, it didn't seem like we had a, our hands on the domination kind of uh, button, so to speak. We were getting chopped up a little bit in the midfield. Hibs were moving it really quickly into the back line. Boyle was using that exploitative pace really, really well, and so it felt like we were getting pushed a little bit back. Yeah. And then we had to get our hands, you know, back on the back back on the game again. It's just a, an interesting and just a, a final kind of point to that. Because I agree, I don't like cliches either. Robbie makes a very good point in that the you know those games that we're talking about. I think at least three of them, it might be four uh, off the top of my head, but have ended in no more than a, a one goal margin. Yeah. Between ourselves and us. Hibs are a good team. They play nice football and they've got a really good attacking threat. We've seen them off the premises on three out of four occasions. That's a really really good return. And these games are expected to be di- uh, difficult. You know, Rangers. As much as we absolutely load them quite rightly, um, probably in the business of completely steamrolling all of these teams in the league. But again, if somebody's turning around and saying we well, get, you know, near maximum points out of your four encounters with the with the team from Easter Road, I take that every day of the every day of the week. But it was a wee bit nervy towards the end. because I, I agree what you're saying there. Like, they are they are a decent side, and I think this year we've been so used to just almost battering every team because. For me, this is taking absolutely nothing away from what we've achieved in the type of side we are. But in general, I don't think the standard of the league this year is as good as it has been in previous title winning seasons. However, Hibs probably are one of probably one of the only teams that I think when you face you feel as though they've got a kind of decent attacking threat. So we probably shouldn't be too surprised that a team in the, in the league is actually causing us a wee bit of problems because you probably, over the course of the season, you should, we should probably be getting that more than we currently are. But given, in my opinion, the, the standard of the league, we're probably not finding that as often. So that's just reverting back to the point where it's really important that we maintain our own standards, even though the league's almost a wee bit too, or has been too easy for this season. It's important we maintain our own standards because next week such a huge game. Uh, if we're able to see Celtic off, then we could be looking at winning a double, which would be a, a massive achievement, obviously on top of the fact that they could do a team campaign. Yeah, I mean, definitely on you, the double, maybe not completely in agreement with you there, Robbie, about the standard of the teams in the league. In terms of that, you know, without spending all night going line by line through players and line by line through teams, Although I, I think I sense the, the wider point you're making. I, I think it's that old age conundrum, actually, or old age adage, old age adage, maybe a sense that doesn't work, but um, <laughs> in terms of, you know, you know, a serious point, which is you can have the most talented players. They will always find it to some extent difficult when they come up against Endeavour. And what I don't think is missing in any part of this, the, the Premiership up here is the level of Endeavour, particularly when you're playing against somebody in a blue jersey. Mm. And so, you know, our players need to do two things. They need to, one, win a lot of those physical battles and match the endeavour. And then they have to do enough to unlock these teams as well. So they have to bring both the, the fight and the talent, whereas not to be disparaging about lots of teams or lots of players who are doing their best in the league maybe are only expected to bring the endeavour side and maybe every once in a blue moon a wee bit of talent. Our teams need to do both of that. No, that wasn't your point, I get that, but I think it's, you know, we have to play across that quite a lot, which makes all of these games relatively difficult. I don't think there's anybody in the dressing room who would say otherwise. 
But you know, I think there's some pretty decent teams in there, actually, as units. Maybe individually I could get on board with your level of quality point. But I think actually collectively there's a lot of decent teams in there that make it very difficult uh, to break down. And just a final point, I think there's maybe a sea change from previous title winning seasons in that uh, maybe one, this is the final season where teams thought they still might have a chance against this growing Rangers. Yeah. Uh, you know, be able to take something off is, I think that's been put to bed quite harshly. Put to bed, we know, we know dinner, right? Um, <laughs> but also, I think the standard of manager in the league as well and the setups and what teams were trying to achieve was probably probably slightly different um, in terms of the money in the league as well. They're just, there's a bit more of a um, homebrew feel to some of the teams in this league, if that's a reasonable way to say it. Yeah. So the first goal of the weekend, uh, indeed, the move starts from our left back, Barisic. Tommy, we one of these classic crosses that, w- that we've became almost accustomed to, and Roof forces a really good save from Marciano when Hibbs clear the ball. It comes out to Joe Rebo about 20 yards out, and he plays the ball out to Nathan Patterson. Another excellent performance from Nathan Patterson, which we'll come on to. Plays the ball just ahead of Morelos, who just goes to basically drive it across the centre of the pitch, and there's a bit of a stramash, if you like. Ball comes up in the air, and Joe Rebo with an absolutely wonderful finish. Um, Tommy, I know you're a big fan. Of Juaribo, do you think he needed that goal? I, I think he did actually, yeah. I think that's a really interesting uh, way, way to look at that. And I am a massive fan, and I don't think that makes me an outlier in any way, shape, or form for the support. But he's, he has been bitty, um, certainly this maybe second half of the season. Yeah. I think he started really strongly with some injuries in there, and he's kind of faded a little bit. Not all of that his fault. Um, nobody doubts there's a really good player in there, right? We all get that. But yeah, I think he could do with something for his confidence. And he took the goal really well. And that was really interesting to see that for a player who's maybe low on the confidence sheet a little bit in front of goal, who hadn't got one in a while, didn't take the touch, didn't try and get it under control, just had it first time. Um, I think it was a lovely finish. Um, Marciano, who I think is tipped for other teams in uh, in this league, uh, would maybe look at himself and think he could have possibly closer to that. Because I don't think Aribo actually catched it as cleanly as he really wanted to. Yeah. Not that I'm complaining or, or uh, discussing those <laughs> technical abilities or anything like that. I would have, I would have skied it after taking a touch, right? But um, <laughs> I skied it with the touch. But um, no, I, I thought it was really good. And I thought he had a really good game anyway. Um, I thought he looked really, really lively. I thought Morelos was really lively in there as well. Yeah. And then as you referenced, uh, Barisic, who I'm pretty sure could undress his wife with that left peg, it has to be said. <laughs> Um, or anybody else's wife, depending on <laughs> what time is it. Uh, yeah, I've got a migraine, you know, right? But um, uh, not one for the listeners, that. But uh, yeah, no, I just think I still maintain he could defend slightly better. I sense we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I mean, I thought he was a really good outball. Um, but you mentioned Parson as well, and I, I know you and Robbie and all that will want to speak about Nathan Parson. Nathan was given just as good as as he was getting going forward as well and kept a really impressive, uh, you know, performance uh, on the pitch. But, yeah, I, I thought, sorry, get back to your point, Joe Rebo did need the goal and he took it really, really well. Robbie, we spoke last week about how Rebo was maybe one of the guys that we couldn't quite decide that when come the, the sort of Celtic Cup game, if Rebo could start in that midfield three or perhaps a bit more advanced, maybe not start at all. Um, and I think you said yourself that 
depending on who played at the weekend, there's maybe a good chance that that would be closer to the starting 11 um, for the game on Sunday. Uh, I, I don't think Aribo really done himself any harm at all for, for a, a starting place this coming weekend. Yeah, so I think personally, if there was another player in the squad who was on a wee bit more form, in my opinion, I think they would potentially play. Uh, I think I think they played relatively well, but I think it goes back to a point I made after the last whole firm. Like, if you were to have thought, maybe last year, year before, if we had to try and picture a sort of midfield that we are going to have who is capable of going to as Parkhead on that occasion, now at Ibrooks, in a tight old firm tie, would you picture a midfield of Davis, Glenn Kamara and Joe Aribo? And that's nothing against any of those players individually. It's just that sort of blend isn't one that you'd normally associate with an old firm one inside. So I still think that if we are to go into that game with that midfield three, there, there is a chance that, certainly know that it would struggle, but I, I just, I struggle to see how it would be a, a real dominating midfield, as I think it's probably been kind of proved by the last maybe three old firms. So do you think, Robbie, does that come from the fact that, so the three that you mentioned, indeed, if, if we were to go with, with that three against um, Celtic on Sunday, and excuse the term, but they're basically three footballers. There's yeah. no, there isn't a, anyone in there to break things up or maybe to clog things up a little bit ahead of that back four. And see the thing, it sounds, see what I'm saying, it sounds very simple, as if it's almost too simple, but I, I even think that if you look to our last sort of few games where we've been vulnerable attacking, again, I spoke about before about the sort of importance of the, the right centre mid, left centre mid. I think that when Aribo plays, and, and again, I'm being harsh on him because he was on the right, the right in the midfield three, but more often than not, I think when Aribo plays in the midfield, you see us get exploited more at fullback, where I'd see our first sort of six, seven months of the season. I don't know if there's any coincidence that Taverna was playing so well because Ryan Jack was in the team. And I don't think it was through him doing anything sort of obvious or are outstanding. I just think he's more suited to that role that's been asked him. Whereas even when you sort of see, obviously he's goal apart because he scored his goal inside the box. But even when you see a lot of the positions that he will take up on the ball when he's playing that sort of right centre mid role, it's a lot deeper. It's a lot further away from the opposition's goal. Personally, I think he's better further up the pitch. So whether that's have a Davis Kamara together a wee bit deeper and let him go go further forward, personally, I think that would probably work a wee bit better. But I think that. Celtic played with two wingers, two 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, whatever one it was, in the weekend. Uh, one winger scored two, the other winger scored one and got an assist. Yeah. So I don't think there's any doubt that that's going to be an area that we'll try and exploit. And just naturally, because the way we play, you don't want to take the attacking intent away from our fullbacks because they're so good at it. And I think as soon as you do that, you're sort of conceding what you're good at to try and counteract what the opposition isn't as good as your own strengths, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I definitely don't think we should try. I don't think we should sort of stop allowing our throwbacks to do what they're good at. But if we're going to, then I think we need to be a wee bit better at trying to counteract that. So the likes of Hibs example, I mean, that was against two, that was against a wing back. I thought we struggled. So if that's against a good winger with an overlapping throwback, it could be even more difficult. Uh, I think likewise at the weekend, for me, I actually think there's been a few games we've struggled against teams that play 3-5-2 because, again, our full-backs would actually go that high. I think if we play against teams like a Hibs, see if they were to have 
a stri- one striker, two wingers. Naturally, their full their wingers would just track our fullbacks. But see, because they had two strikers, there would always be two guys up against up, up the pitch against direct against our two centre halves. So again, I think when that happens and our fullbacks are high like they should be, I do think there's been times we've struggled that way. So again, that's in problem we've talked on. I agree with them, the fact that they exploited the sort of gaps between our centre half and our fullback. Yeah. For me, that was just because they left two guys up against our two. And likewise, when it comes to Celtic, they, they will obviously be a lot more brave with their wingers than other teams would with their wingers. So I just think that I know I've went a few roundabout point I don't know about this year. But <laughs> yeah, it's that, shocking, by the way, Robbie. <laughs> <man. laughs> I've been talking to you too long, mate. Uh, <laughs> but I, back to the original point, me personally, I wouldn't start a one of my two. But We've done it before and we've won those games we're doing it, so fingers crossed if he does it. I mean, these guys know better than me, so fingers crossed they're proved right if they go with that. So we're going one nothing. It. Sorry, Thomas. Well, as you got to say, I think, there's, I think it's a permutations-led conversation, isn't it? So it becomes a bit moot because Brian Jack's injured. Yeah. So he's not going to play. Tav's injured, so he's not going to play. So you know you're going to go with you know, uh, Patterson, unless there's a surprise and Balogun's back in it, right back. I very much doubt that will happen. Right? <laughs> but, yeah, I feel I need to say it just because there's a record there. But, um, but I, I agree. The only two points I would drop in there is one, something I don't think is going to happen in that, remember, you've still got Bongani Zungu. Yep. Not like God's hope in hell unless, <laughs> yeah, unless Stephen Gerrard's got money on him starting. Uh, no way he's starting right? But then also... Wilson was saying that could be the team that started. Remember, it started with Morelos and Roof. Not entirely sure that will happen at, at the weekend. I think one of them will drop out and it will be Roof, right? So then you're, you're looking at who could you accommodate a rebo and drop somebody else in? Arfield came off the bench for a little bit of a leg warmer. And I'm sensing that Arfield might come back in onto the starting lineup for the Celtic game. See, I, I would have had, I would have thought Arfield probably would play, but I'm just surprised then that he didn't start. The weekend there, I'd have thought that if they had plans for him to start the whole they would have started the weekend. But there's, there's every chance that I, I don't know if he's carrying a knock or something like that, and it was just a wee, a wee leg warm up. I, I'm the same as you, actually, Robbie. I would have thought that would have been the natural, you know, start get the full 90 minutes. Yeah, and you don't know if he just needed to be tweaked ever so slightly. He's the only natural replacement I can see coming in there to, to what you were saying. It doesn't naturally work if you drop anybody else in there, and then you, you, you get a little bit of both worlds with Scott Arfield because he can do the physically aggressive stuff and he'll get up and down. He's also got that eye for running beyond and getting into the box, whereas Joe Rebo, brilliant going forward, can drift out of games, attacking players that happens with, that's not a criticism, but I can think of a couple of occasions already this season um, where, actually I think uh, against Celtic as well, where he's switched off and it's led to a goal when that tracking back from midfield. I think yeah. Dundee 80 as well actually might have been one of them. And yeah. so, you know you're not going to get that with Scott, Scott Arfield. He might give you best of both worlds. Maybe not for the full 90 minutes, but he might be a good place to start, try and get bedded into the game, maybe get a goal ahead and then bring on a rebo to give their backline something to think about. Because, you know, if you're tired and your rebo starts running at you, um, it's not just so much the pace, it's the trickery. But that's the only permutation I could think of that would, that would change it up. Um, Aye, unless, you know, I don't know, Stephen Gerrard's fitting a mechanical knee to Ryan Jack as we speak, which I don't think they're allowed to do under under ethics. God damn them. But 
Aye, there we go. But I do agree with your wider point that Tav works best with Jack sitting in there because he can he can tilt the, the, the triangle sometimes and yeah. drops in a little bit easier than any other player naturally does. Um, I think we get caught out uh, at ha against Hamilton because Stephen Davis tried to do that drop in mm -hmm. uh, in the last minute when Tav had went yeah. quite far up. And people blame Tav for going up. No. Okay, I can understand that because it looks as though he's way up and there's no need to do it. But that's the natural game to, you know, us forcing them back. And the whole point being Tav expects somebody to drop into okay. the hole to yeah. be there. And Davis actually got out on the wrong side of, I can't remember who crossed it, but it got out on the wrong side, wasn't able to make the challenge and then the ball got whipped in. So I, I agree with Jack's the most natural dropping into the right back position because obviously he used to play it as well. Yeah. A perfect example of obviously Scott, I think you were going to jump in with so I'll be quite honest. But I think a perfect example as well, see if you go back to the, I think it was our last game at Putaudry, where I think we were two up and they scored. And it was a similar idea. Tab was really high up the pitch. Yeah. They brought back two one and everybody was slating Tab for it. But for me I was watching it saying that's a big centre mid all day. And at that point it was a rebo. And again, it's no a, a criticism of, of them in particular because that I'm the same, I think he's a really good player. I just think for me, it's probably no he's most suited role, personally. Shall we go in one nothing at half time and uh, we, we come out for the second half and, and start the second half relatively well? We've spoke a lot over the last couple of weeks about who our player of the season is going to be. And we mentioned, guys, all the obvious con uh, sort of people, McGregor, Tav, Goldson. We've spoken about the quality of Barisic, Kamara, Stephen Davis, Morelos for his, for his contribution up front and the, the sort of new style of play where I'm dropping in. We've not mentioned Ryan Kent. And for him to get his 12th goal of the season in the manner that he did at the weekend, um, that plus 14 assists. What a peach it was, Tommy, for, for him to get his 12th of the season, was it not? Fantastic, fantastic finish, fantastic technique. Um, and I think he, you know, he dips the shoulder to two of them. I think the second yeah. one will be Gogic, uh, actually, as well, and then just rifles it. And we see him do that quite a lot. In the end, the, the conversation will always be the end product with Ryan Kent. Yeah. A lot of times he scuffs the shots, he's maybe thinking too much about making the opportunity than finishing the opportunity, so to speak. But when he gets it, you know, there's no doubt there's lots of talent in there. You don't spend the guts of seven, seven and a half million for them. And we will absolutely make profit on that. Absolutely no, no doubts about that whatsoever. He's contributed a hell of a lot. And he's one of those players where the stats don't do him justice. Yeah. And I, I've, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about people who believe stats are the best thing uh, ever. Anyway, I work in data. Data will only tell you so much. Right. It's, it's not contextual. Right? But people love to pretend that they're smart and point to data all the time. Um, <laughs> is it the right time to roll out the Scove Dal quote? No, not right <laughs> no. now. Let's leave it to later on. Right? Um, anyway, right, everybody knows where I'm going. I'm just saying data is uh, it's a really good um, set of clothes that can re look really nice and smart, but actually could be you know just covering up stuff shut, so to speak, right? unless you know how to interpret it and you're actually getting the right stuff out. There is no data, as far as I'm aware, or any statistic within the football world that talks to things like Ryan Kane and Alfredo Morelos, right? But let's talk about Ryan Kane right now, that won't say, here's the goals and the assists that he gave you, but here's just him picking up the ball that changes the tempo of the game, the thought process of the back four that he's up against, or back seven or back ten, or depending on what it is in Scotland, and the midfield. Because when he gets the ball, or even the threat of getting him the ball, means two things. One, primarily teams will drop 
deep anyway because he's got the ability to run beyond with the the pace. Uh, Braga's a really good example of that. Aberdeen at the start of the season as well, break yeah. the line, get through. But also he's got the ability, for example, against Hibs to pick the ball up relatively deep or near the box, dip the shoulder by two players and then create something. And it might not always end up in a goal or an assist, but he makes other teams start to try and edge forward. You know, we've all played football. You're keeping one eye on the guy that you're marking, but then you know that other guy's good and the boy in your team might know be up where pace-wise or have the right bits. You start to edge across and you create this gap. Ryan Kent, by definition of being on the pitch, creates gaps in people's minds and therefore yeah. within the structure. And that's what he brings to the team. And that's why other teams notice him as well. He's one of those flair players that gives another team a headache. So they have to think about that when they're doing their team plan to play against us. And it won't always end in a goal and it'll end up in frustration. And I very much expect when I'm allowed back in the stadium to be uttering under my breath <laughs> and cussing <laughs> some things where he skies it or he runs it out of the pitch. But I will take a Ryan Ken every day of the week going at play, uh, players and being direct and losing the ball seven, eight times. Uh, you know, before he manages to then do something like he did uh, against Hibs. Absolutely fantastic finish. Do I think he's in the player of the season conversation, though, which was your point? Not at this point in time, though. So, I'm not going to ask him why, Robbie, right? I'm going to ask you. We don't have the time. We don't have the time. <laughs> it's a short podcast. Can Ryan Kent be player of the season for Rangers? This season? Yep. Not this season, no. But I, I'm a huge fan of him, though. Uh, and by the way, I'm conscious of the fact that looks at him sitting pitch wide. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just, 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 just to prove that we don't edit things, is, is there a light switch close to you? Outside the room. I mean, my yep. house isn't that big, but... Oh, you should not... get somebody to come... No, you should get somebody to... Uh, you know what? Somebody was going to click it on when you said something, like you'd a really good idea to answer the question. <laughs> oh, aye. Next time Tommy starts talking, I'll go because I know there's no chance of me done, but if they bring it back, so I'm going to make it a one-word answer. <laughs> but listen, by the way, I have to point out, don't you start, you're just as bad as me. I am. Right? Robbie. I'm getting shocked, man. The difference is I've got a point to my answers. <laughs> so, <laughs> Robbie, b- before I let you go and put your light switch on, um, do so we, we, you don't think Ryan Kent can be player of the season this year for Rangers? No, I don't think he can, but what I will say is he would, I think, it would be in the conversation if it was someone else who was performing this well, if that makes sense. So sometimes I think that what he produces for us, in terms of, even if he doesn't score, even if he doesn't set up an obvious goal, what he produces for us in terms of his quality throughout a game, see if uh, Hadji was to have done what he'd done at the weekend, I think he would be getting so much more credit. Not just Hadji in particular, but any other player. And likewise, if Greg Stewart, Hadji, Daniel Kandason was here, if they were to produce the kind of performances that Ryan Kent does, then I think he would be getting a whole lot more credit. and probably would be in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just to jump in. He's a victim of his own price tag. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Yeah. Especially in the current climate uh, where you know a Scottish team has spent a lot of money, you know, seven, seven and a half million, whatever it was, then there's an expectation that he delivers every, every game. And so when he doesn't deliver... He's looked at to Robbie's point there, looking very, very bright there. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that the uh, the Waldens put the put the light on for you. Um, but, <laughs> I can hear him banging on the door. Um, Stick that light back on. But um, I should point out that uh, Robbie is not reporting live for myself. No. Um, I, I hope. Anyway. So last week, 
No, no, this week, aye, that's it. <laughs> see how it goes at the weekend. But, but I'm just actually saying now, you know, very quickly and succinctly, he's a, and to your point, it's the psychology behind it. He's a, he's a victim of his own price tag. And uh, if you look at Ryan Kent and he does something fine, that's expected because he's 7.5 7. million. If he doesn't do something, oh, is he worth the money? Whereas those people you've listed, Hadji may be a side because he's got the name point to that as well. But if a Greg Stewart comes on and has a stormer, oh, and he was a, you can't wait for people to see on social media and he was a free transfer uh, or whatever, you know, it's, yeah. it's that, it's, it's the perception of how you start to look at it and the genesis is people will quite rightly think about the price tag that Ryan Kane had attached to him. But he's a fantastic player. We're very lucky to have him in the team. And like I said, another one who we will absolutely make a profit of. So, in a wee second, I want to speak about um, the the battle of the Hibs left-back, Josh Doig, and our own uh, Nathan Patterson along that Rangers right side. Um, but before that, of course, Hibs did score against us at, at the weekend. Kevin Nisbet scored a really good header, dinking in ahead of Connor Goldson. Cross not stopped again from the Rangers left-hand side. Borna Barisic didn't really cover himself in glory on Sunday afternoon, Thomas. Bit of a tough time, actually. Um, and every time somebody says that to me, I'm reminded of, I think it was the Dundee United game, just before they scored. There was a cross just before it, and you could hear, I think it was Michael Beale, screaming, you know, get get closer. Borna, yeah. He does have a tendency to take his time to get out, yeah. uh, which is very strange because he's got the pace to catch up with people buying lives to get out of jail if he needs to. But yeah, it is a bit of a, a theme. And he, I think he was targeted slightly. We've spoken about the corridor between him and Hellander. Um, you know, Boyle was obviously going at him. And I think people know that if they get a little bit of space on him, he will hang back before he closes down. He definitely needs to get better at that. Nisbet is a really interesting player as well. I really like Nisbet. Mm. I think people for a long time, banged on about Shankland. He's better than Shankland. I would absolutely take Nisbet. I would take Nisbet if we could if we could get him. Obviously not for a ridiculous Hibs fee, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not talking Spoon's money, but I'm, I'm talking... Um, <laughs> I'm talking... Um, but I should point out by that, I mean, uh, a joke on Witherspoon's, no other type of Spoon's. I don't want anybody Any old iron. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want anybody taking the wrong inflection from what I just said there. But... Um, yeah, if it was reasonable, I think he's I think he's a player uh, who will absolutely, if he's not already been the subject of some bids at Hibs, I think people will definitely come into him. I think somebody in the Championship of England. Yeah, Birmingham. Sorry? I... Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. thank you. Um, who would want to pair him up, I would imagine, with Cosgrove and mm. uh, in, in that front too. I think he's a player that we should definitely look at. But definitely Borna Barisic has been identified as somebody who maybe can or doesn't get out quick enough. He just needs to get better at that. Uh, at this point in time, it's definitely led to a couple of goals against us. Robbie, in the summer, if we have the opportunity to sell Borna Barisic, taking into account the money you could probably get from him in the first instance and his, his contract situation, um, I think we covered this probably briefly very last week. Um, do, we, do we cash in on Borna, do you think, this summer? I think I touched on it in my horrendously put point last week when talking about Patterson. For me, listen, he's a, he's a really good player. He's been a brilliant signing, considering he was just shy of two million, I think. But I think through the talent we've got in the squad, realistically, uh, from, from ones we're realistically going to get a good fee for, he's probably the one that I think there's opportunity there to 
cash in on in terms of we'd get a good fee uh, and be able to reinvest it to get someone hopefully just as good because I think that the, the only thing you would struggle to replace is, is these deliveries because these deliveries from open play and set pieces are superb, generally yeah. very, very good uh, and very consistent as well because I think that his first sort of season development was he obviously didn't sort of hit the ground running when he signed with the club but one thing you could see that he did have a good delivery but it wasn't anywhere near the consistency he showed uh, this season. Yeah. Mm. However, I think for me, it definitely is one of the players where I would kind of almost hope we'll be able to cash in on because as we spoke about last week, he's Croatia's number one left back, he's scored goals, he's set up loads of goals and he's been a part of loads of clean sheets and winning a title. So it takes all the boxes in terms of if you were to get a, an artist to go into wise scout or data quote, whatever it is they use, he's going to be one of the guys that comes up near the top end. So your negotiation strategy is easy for the start. But likewise, I think there are sort of flaws in his game where in the current back four, he, for me, is probably who I'd be most comfortable losing. And when you couple that with the fact that we would get a very good fee for him, I think it's something that, as a club, we probably will, well, we could look to take advantage of. But it's not, it's not undermining the impact he's had on our success this season. I just think that if we could somehow get somebody who could replicate what he gives us going forward. Maybe not even the consistency of his deliveries as such, but they could offer something different. I mean, you look at, uh, it's probably not a realistic signing. It would be a realistic signing for us, but if you look at like Stuart Dallas at Leeds, so totally different player, but he's a left-back who is actually a right, right-footed player. Yeah. But he offers loads going forward, so it doesn't mm. necessarily need to be. I think a lot of discussions I've had with people is, it's kind of what I touched on there, It'd be, would, it'd be a struggle to find somebody who would give us what he gave us this season, but you can still have a good attacking outlet for fullback that doesn't do exactly what he does, which is, you know, put a great delivery from deep consistently. It could be somebody who's would, you know, underlap instead of overlap. It could be somebody who would just kind of give the winger more freedom, but they're able to be more creative by, you know, feeding better balls into striker, but they're also very defensively sound. So there's other ways of getting the best at fullbacks that there's no a win sort of method fits all. So I, I definitely think that for me he's probably I wouldn't want to go as far as saying the weak point in our back four because he's not a weak point. But if you were an opposition team, I think that's probably the area you would look at. So having taken everything into account, if we can get north of fifteen million for example, which I think would be within our rights to ask for, yep. it could be I think a lot. I think a lot of that comes down to, and, and I, I, I agree. How nice it is to talk about Croatia's number one left back and say, yeah, we could probably lose him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's, not, it's not a bad place. And I know none of us are saying that we would like or want to lose Bomber Barisic, but ultimately, this team eventually needs to be broken up because we need to cash in, right? Business model. Boom. Uh, obviously, I try and say the words business model every single week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I get paid for it. I get paid. Um, somebody somewhere is crunching the numbers, but you know, ultimately we do need to cash in, and so you're left with you know not to reiterate everything that, that that Robbie's just said there, but maybe just one or two key points that you're looking at. Does he have a good Euros? You know, because that's going to be a real big driver of a couple of million in terms and the type of club that looks at him. Two, is he naturally who you'd want to be defending for you in the Champions League? Actually, that's a question that we need to ask right across the squad, right? 
Yeah. And then what does your replacement look like? So we know Ross Wilson and Stephen Gerrard and the analytics team will have in the black box several names. So with who you can get in while still retaining a level of the profit. And then you compare them to Calvin Bassey, stuff like that as well. And then you need to bed them, bed them in. And to, you know, to Robbie's point, which I think is one of the key points as well, how do you want your fullback to set up? Are you then looking to replace like for like? Or do you want to get a bit more physicality? Do you want to concentrate more on defending? You know, is the delivery the, the all important stuff? The way the Rangers set up, obviously the delivery from the wide areas is absolutely crucial. So that needs to be a key component. Bonner Barisic could defend slightly better, right? But then again, James Tavenier cycled through that same point. And I think as I said last week, and I've criticised James Tavenier before, right? But they've been part of a back four slash back five that set records for, uh, for that type of thing. But it does come down to a numbers game, I think, purely with Bonner Barisic. Um, and that if somebody, much like everybody else, turned up with a check and said, I think more than 50 million, if I've been honest, because he's only, what, 28? Yeah, you know that's prime. That's prime numbers type of space. He doesn't break down. People talk about goals and all that. Barisic actually after that first season where he thought he was maybe made a balsa wood, yeah. doesn't break down. He's he's got a really good fitness uh, level. Get something down. Could you tweak his defending, or if he was dealing with a more stable? Back to, I don't want to sound like I'm being critical there of the fact that we keep changing one of the centre-backs. Yeah. But if he's dealing with that, would that be an easier read for him? But yeah, definitely if money came in, I think it's all based on the Euros. If he has a really good Euros for Croatia, um, then I think we are absolutely staring down some some really big numbers coming in for him. Because his delivery is phenomenal. I'm assuming, Scott, are you along the same lines? Is he the one that... It's more of an opportunity thing, I think, isn't it? Rather than you want him to leave, it's an opportunity for the club to make good yeah. money. Yeah, I, my own personal sort of stance is he's the one that I think we can make decent money from at this stage of his Rangers career. You don't necessarily want him to go, um, but I think we could we could cash in on him and we could make a really decent profit on him. Uh, I'm a big fan of him bombing forward. But I think Tommy's right. I think if we're lucky enough to get to the, to the final stage of the Champions League, do you, do you trust him alongside any of the four defenders that are there just now? I think he's almost seen as a a weakness, a bit of a weak link. However, you take that away, you don't have anyone bombing forward in the same manner in the, in the left-hand side. So it's it's kind of taking with one and, and giving with the other and, and, and vice versa. I, I think he could be the one that could move in the summer. So, so I agree. Just two very, very quick things before we move on, I, I suggest. Um, which is quite strange. You answer the question and me saying, let's move on, right? Uh, I, don't fancy being, I don't fancy being the host of it again, to be honest with you. Um, but I did it once, that was enough for me. But uh, in terms of that, I, I, think, I, I think it was against Celtic, actually, where we didn't have Barisic and it was only Tav. And you noticed how lopsided we became. Absolutely. We pretty easy to defend against. Um, may, may have been the cup, no, it wasn't the cup game. I think it was the league game. But also... As well as, as if you're, I don't know what his contract status is right now, off the top of my head, how many years he's got left. I think he's got a year to go after this summer. That's a down goal. Optimum timing, and one of the concerns is you don't want to leave yourself lopsided when it comes to a team, so you need to get a good player in. Yeah. Um, you can sell to them the CL thing, but also, you know, if his contract's coming up, I know we're going through a contract cycle right now where we've done Tav and stuff like that already as well, um, and and obviously McGregor. 
is Barisic one that you cash in at? And that's before any of us ask ourselves, maybe Bolmer Barisic has done his stint, he's won a title, he's made a name for himself, he's nailed down Croatia's left back number one spot. He might be looking at the payday of the EPL. Home league form this season, we've got 17 wins from 17 attempts, 49 goals scored at Ibrox this year. Um, and three conceded. Now, this is a bit of trivia, so you can feel free to, to batter in with answers if you think you know. We already know that Kevin Nisbet scored one for Hibs at the weekend. That was my guess, Dan. <laughs> that was, that was um, my one guess. So there have been two other goals scored by opposition in the league this year at Ibrox. Go for it. Fifth one, Ka- Is it Ka- Callum Lang, I think? Callum, Callum Lang. Callum and Lang. The other he's, one will be... Give it that. The other, one's the other one is Dundee United. Who was it, Thomas? Oh, I'm not going oh. to say now. Do you know who it is, Robbie? Is it the boy Louis Aperi? Oh, it's no. not him. No, it's You're not out. It's, a Scottish, it's a Scottish name. Because uh, uh, he, he kind of, I'm still certain to this day that he, he wasn't trying to find the bottom corner on the volley. Oh, McNulty. It was McNulty. That's it. That's the answer, Mark McNulty. Well done. I think I should take the credit for, for those you answers. Up. Yeah, you teamed me up. It's a team <laughs> game, buddy. It's a team game. There we go. Front two, sticking them <laughs> in the back of the net, <laughs> Joking aside though, Tommy, what a record that is, isn't it, for Steven Gerrard this season? It's, it's phenomenal uh, in terms of, we've seen all those games. The listeners, the watchers will have seen the majority of those games as well. And that there's been collective dominance of games. It'd be interesting if you compared that stat with the amount of chances that have been created against us over the course of a season. There we go, yeah. for somebody out there in Statoland, land, please. Go on with it. Yeah, please feel free to build that stat and then keep it to yourself. But um, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and I look, I look forward to some DMs about that. But uh, you know, in terms of that's where you. So it'd be interesting to know that, right? And the domination of teams against us. But we've by and large held teams at bay, even when they've dominated the play. A bit like Hibs, you know, had good spells, but they weren't creating chance after chance after chance because we'd be a great defensive unit. And then inside that, you've had those moments whereby things have come down to the crunch and Alan McGregor stuck out a paw. Or John McLaughlin before him at the start of the season. Shouldn't walk past that. But it is a phenomenal record. And there's no inflection on that with regards to the quality conversation of the teams or the players in the league that we were having earlier. To get through to this point of the season, having only conceded three goals at home is ridiculous in any league. Because... Even because you're not even playing just against teams there, you're playing against Lady Luck. You know what I mean? We haven't even conceded one of those stupid lucky goals. Yeah. Uh, and for some people watching of different persuasions, we've not even conceded any penalties. Um, <laughs> 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 who, who, who would believe it? But, um, uh, oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. It's John Beaton. Uh, sorry, I'll phone him back. Um, but but um, it's... <laughs> it's fine. But, but you know, that being, that's a glib way, but actually there's a serious point in saying that at that stage you generally are playing against the numbers and the statistics there because in any given season at home you would concede penalties, you would have freak goals, you would have a goalkeeping clanger. Yeah. Actually we've had none of that, which means that your keeper's right on point, whichever keeper it's been, your defensive unit's working really well because they're not creating all those chances that then lead to freak goals. And also their positioning is really good because they're not conceding penalties. I've obviously jinxed it and will concede a penalty before between now and the end of the season at home, right? But I, I can't actually think... You guys will keep me right here. I don't think we've conceded a penalty at home. Uh, uh, certainly no, not this season yeah. or recently. 
away to Antwerp, wasn't it? I think we, yeah, we definitely could see them uh, in, in Europe, and I can hear the cries of that's because European refs are independent, right? <laughs> but um, but the, the, the point I'm making there is by and large, and there's always a couple of decisions that you could question and argue about, right? That's that's pub talk, but the unit has worked really well to hold teams back to my original point at bay. You know, not very often this season can I think about as being completely chopped up and conceding clear-cut chance after clear-cut chance after clear-cut chance. That's why you get to this point of April and you've got a start like that, which is phenomenal. Robbie, I want to speak about Liam Balligan being offered a new contract in a second. However, if we can just take it back to the Hibs game at the weekend, there was a, a, a lot made about the, the sort of battle between the Rangers right back and, and the Hibs left back at, at the weekend. Our very own Nathan Patterson, who we've been sort of praising to, to death over the last couple of weeks for his performances. Again, particularly impressive at the weekend, but we have to see as was the Hibs left back, Josh Doig. Yeah, I think, first of all, Patterson, I thought that was Patterson's best game for us. Yeah. I think that in other games he's had, <clears throat> when he's been up against sort of tough opposition, no disrespect to Cobra Angels, but uh, I think there's been a couple of moments in the game where he's maybe been exposed or he's been, you know, let too many crosses or whatever. Whereas I think, you rightly say, he was up against a good player and I think going forward he gave us a lot of threat. He was always involved in the first goal. And likewise, defensively, I thought he was really good. But again, just as I touched on before, he just looks kind of natural, it looks as though he kind of belongs to be in that first team environment, which I think sometimes can get very overlooked uh, when young players come in, because quite often everybody gets very excited about a young player. We're all, we're all guilty of it, but sometimes they can like make five, five-yard passes, only complete three of them, and everybody said, what a passer, and I'm like, he made three passes, like, what you should be able to do at that level, whereas I think with Partison, it does look it did look natural. I think it looks like you get, like, it looks physically built like a man as well. So it looks like he could handle himself that way. He just looked very comfortable and sort of, he played with a lot of convictions, kind of what I'm trying to say, uh, which is, you know, really encouraging to see for a young player. On the back with Doig, it was one that I was looking forward to uh, before the game because he's won the early on in the season. I thought it looked as though he could be a right good player. He certainly is only 18. I think it was. Uh, and loan at Queen's Park last year. Yeah. Uh, he's done he's had a really good season. But I've no doubt going by the weekend alone, I definitely think Patterson got the upper hand uh, at the weekend there as much as I did think uh, he looked he looked a good player. I thought to, to Patterson's credit he definitely got the upper hand in that duel. Uh, if you want to compare that, you know, if there's a sort of boil me barrister on one side where you can say it's an HA feature, I thought Patterson looked the more assured player uh, at the weekend, which, you know, is to his credit because I think the boy Doyle's been uh, he's been linked with I'm pretty sure I read a couple of like Chelsea and Arsenal and stuff along the I don't know how yeah. true that is, but I definitely think that he's one to look out for and it's interesting as obviously talking about uh, the potential Barisic going. I think Gerald spoke about Doig after the game to see a player that were maybe having a wee look at. I don't think he's quite ready to be a direct replacement for, for Barisic by any means, but you know, could he be somebody we look at in the coming years? I think there's a a good, good chance that that could be the case. I'm sorry, I would take Doyle uh, in, in a heartbeat. I think he's got bags of potential. You're absolutely right, though, in terms of we're left with Bassey. If you get rid of Bassey, yeah. it's something more substantial. So it's just a very quick point, Scott. I know you want to move us on. Yeah. But I, it's just that I've always thought the exact same. 
and it's nice to hear somebody else articulate it, that I'm always looking at the physicality of players when they break through. And the difference to Nathan Patterson, who can stand up to that physical challenge, and it's really important, it reminds me the diametric opposite of, and I'm not having a go at the guy, but when you used to see Ryan Hardy come on. He's built like a wee boy, and you think, he's going to get snapped with a challenge here and we'll never see him again. Yeah. And if you can't put on that, I think we spoke about this as collectively a couple of weeks ago as well, the physical aspects and having the actual physique as a player is absolutely important, particularly in the modern game. Now, you have to be able to stand up to the rigours of it. Um, and whether that's, you know, doping your coffee or whatever, it's, it's neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, it, it's a massive difference to see such a, a young boy who's got the physique. And not, not only that, but he can handle himself on the pitch. You know, he's got the ability to use it. He's got the brains to use it. Um, and that's all that reminded me of when Rob was talking about it, when I used to not laugh at Ryan Hardy, but I thought, <laughs> wait, wait, I used to fear for his wee legs, to be honest with you. Um, this was my thing. Was very, Ryan Hardy was very sort of... Um, Bambi-ish, I often felt when I watched him. You know what I mean? Um, I think he's... Is he still down at Blackpool? Plymouth? One of the two, I think Plymouth, he's at. I think he's Plymouth now. Yeah, I think he... I think he got released by Blackpool. He sold, I can't remember. Listen, back to my original yeah, point. I thought... I thought... Um, I thought Nathan Patterson was excellent at the weekend. I think Robbie's absolutely right. I think it was his, his best performance in a, in a Rangers jersey so far. Uh, and we'll see it again. I said it last week in the pod, and I, and I absolutely stand by it. If there's a better right-back in the country right now then I've yet to see him. Uh, I, I think he's been excellent for us in the, the period that he's had to, to fill in for a captain. And again, Stevie Clark's looking for a right-back for the Euros. He's definitely your man. Uh, Tommy, I, I, I'm going to stay with you because last week we announced that there was a year extension that had been handed out to Liam Balligan. Surprised or not so surprised? No, I'll be fairly honest um, and say I was, I was surprised. Not in, a, not in a disappointed surprise way. Not yeah. in a... Oh, I, I, I thought I'd, I, I thought I'd won the Nigerian lottery, and it turns out I've been scammed. Type of surprise, <laughs> um, you know, uh, or, or I've been catfished by a podcast. Um, you know, I, okay. thought I, was, I thought I was coming on the sky, and I'm never stopping YouTube um, Muppets. But, um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm obviously pushing the boundaries of <laughs> what I expect this season. But no, yeah, surprised in that. I, I think Leon Balligan is a, a really good. I think he's a decent centre back. In all honesty, I think I've said before, I think his position is a little bit suspect and his pace gets him out of trouble and that covers a couple of flaws in the plaster work, you know, papers over them. Um, whereas I, I like Hellander better. He would be my choice because I think his brain, his positioning makes up for his lack of pace and I'll take that type of person over somebody who's just fast any day of the week. Yeah. Um, you know, David Weir being a, a really good example for, uh, in that particular position, I should say, right? If he's cost-effective, fine. Um, I think it was a one-year extension, wasn't it? I think you're right there. Um, yeah. So it's not about tying in for a massive deal. I think there might have already been an auction. So I don't know if Rangers might have had no... Say on it. I'd say on it around about that, which is fair enough. I don't have a criticism of him. No, no. He's not my first-choice centre-back. It's Goldson and Hellander for me. I'd, yeah, I'd make no bones about that. Um, I think he's been terribly exposed when he's tried to fill in it right back as well. Yeah. Um, so he's not got massive amounts of cover to do that. Although, in his defence, he hadn't done it for a long time. He might have got better over, over time, right? So not criticising for enough there. The other point I would probably add into that is if we did elect to, to do that and it wasn't an option, right? It wasn't triggered automatically, is what, is what I mean by that. Then you then need to ask yourself, 
are we keeping another centre-back on the books because we are hedging our bets when it comes to Edmondson and Katic? Because you're left on the rota or roster, if you want to annoy people, you're left on the roster, uh, I'll, I'll stick with the rota, of Hellander, Goldson, now you've got um, uh, Balogun for another year, um, you've got Simpson coming through, you've got Simpson, and then you've got Katic and Edmondson. Edmondson, is the copybook completely blown? I don't. I don't know. Katic, there's always a question mark until the guy plays a full season. It's as simple as that. With that type of injury, yeah. um, and even then, the worries never go quite away, and his residual value's already taken a hit because he's had that type of injury. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's maybe a no-brainer from from that perspective, particularly if it's cost-effective, and then you can take a position during pre-season just because he signed a new deal doesn't mean he can't be sold. If nothing else, we've just protected the value that we could maybe get for him in the summer. That's a Robbie, really were, view of it Robbie, were you a wee bit surprised that he got an extension? I was, yeah. Just, just kind of for the, the reasons that Tommy mentioned. I think that, <clears throat> as well, I spoke uh, last week, I think, about the sort of average age of the squad. And if you look mm-hmm. at our defence, you've got Barisic, 27-28, Goldson, 27-28, Holander, 27-28, Tavernor is that same. So, and then, I, I just thought that we... The fact we've got Jack Simpson come in, Edmondson's went out alone, which, you know, I've not kept totally up to date with how he's getting on, but I think early on he seemed to be doing pretty well. I don't know, I'm not too sure if he's still playing regular. I think he got injured, did he not? I'm sure I've seen something on his Instagram that he's... Um, he an injury. He got yeah. injured, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did after a, He had a run of a couple of games when he first went down and he was playing consistently and then he, he's broken down for a while. So it's not been a it's not been an optimal loan no, for anybody. Listen again, I'm 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 inexperienced in a pod game. I probably should have researched that before talking about it, but here we go. <laughs> not at uh, all. Not at all. Half the battle just making it sound like you've researched it. I just made the potential I haven't come back and then obviously Cartage as well. I was just surprised because if you you know bring all that into the mix, you're probably a wee bit heavy in that area of the pitch. But again, it's almost that you don't know the the sort of the, the monetary value involved. See if we are getting them for low sort of low wages and there's maybe not that sort of outstanding youth prospect that can be the best centre back if you like then maybe, maybe it does make sense but I do agree that I, I don't think he's signed as a, a backup right back anyway. Uh, not that I think you know he's not capable of filling in. But yeah. if you were to be without, you know, to have for a you know a decent length of time like it has been just now. I'm not sure I'd be too comfortable having him fun there. So I was a wee bit surprised, but again, you don't know the sort of ins and out of these contact deals. So if we are getting them for a sort of low value, then you know maybe it could do a bit of fun next season again. Robbie, sticking with you, old firm game at the weekend, Sunday afternoon, three o'clock. Um, biggest game of the season? I think. The more you go on in a season, you see every game's the biggest game of the season. So probably well, you I'm get down off that fence for once. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it? Well, no, no, it's not because our biggest priority was the league. So I think if you look back on on the season, then the biggest one for me was Ibrox at New Year against Celtic. That for me was the biggest of the season. But I think it's a it's a habit everybody's got well in it. It's our biggest game of the season, biggest game of the season, which it is. It, Time now it is because it's our next biggest game, but uh, it's certainly a huge one because I think it'd still be a, a huge achievement to win a Scottish Cup. It's something we've not been able to do in a long, long time, far too long, to be totally yeah. honest, despite the fact that we've been 
know, poor in the league recently. There's probably no excuse for the sort of poor attempts we've had at winning the Scottish Cup. So it's massive. And we said before, you know, I think one thing that's important about it is these players have been champions quite rightly for what for being able to become champions. But I think that the time we start to worry as a club of where we go is when you accept the fact that we've won a league and that's all we're happy with. I still think that it's everybody's responsibility that we maintain expectations. So we should still be going to Scottish Cup expecting to win it. And if we don't win it, we should be disappointed at that. So obviously the players will still get a lot of credit for winning the league. But, you know, we're glad we're Rangers. We have been, been involved in. And this Scottish Cup's no different, despite the fact that we've done absolutely brilliant in the league. This is still a very, very important competition. And if we want to, you know, retain our status as the, the biggest club in the country and the best club in the country, then we need, to, we need to win competitions. So winning the league alone has done that this season. But if we are to proper put down a marker, I think, you know, that would be backed up by going on and winning this cup. Tommy, same question to you. I was just going to say, this is why... Um... This is why I always buy one about the fact that I don't, by and large, give a, a monkeys about uh, about invincible leagues. Yeah. Um, you know, because you don't win a trophy. Maybe you've got a bragging rights and something in the history books. Fine. Rangers are built on silverware, not ink. Right? And so I'll take the silverware every day of the week. I want to be able to point to a cup and league double. I want to end a rival season come April. That's my main concern. So to your point, it's the biggest game currently in the calendar. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, it's how I'll sit on that. He's on the same <laughs> fence as Holiday. Yeah, there we go. He's on the same In that, it will then be swiftly replaced by the, the hopefully the cup final. Yeah. You know, um, but I would take, as I always say with these types of things, you know, without being too clear, I will take losing every game between now and the end of the league season, getting beaten every single league game between now and the end. If somebody tells me we'll beat Celtic at the weekend and then we'll win the Scottish Cup, because come the end of that, I'll say, all right, okay, but, all right we may, maybe didn't get an invincible, undefeated league season, but we won the league, and I'm pretty sure it's the same trophy that you get. And, you know, it doesn't come filled with money or smarties or something like that because it's invincible. And we've got the silverware of the Scottish Cup, which has been too long away from Ibrox as well. So that's always the way for me. The league is done, right? And it's a nice to have that we're playing for an, uh, you know, invincible season. But I'll trade it every day of the week for another piece of silverware because that's what Rangers are built on. Silverware. Tommy, do you think Stephen Gerrard starts with the same... 11 that started on Sunday? I think there, there'll be a couple of changes actually uh, in that you know, back, back four, back five stable. Right? We don't need to, to worry about that. Um, unless, you know, I don't know, uh, something terrible happens in training or anything like that. But yeah. I think that that's the stable build up. Davis, Kamara uh, in there as well. I personally think Scott Arthur might come back in. Yeah. And uh, we will see potentially Roof dropping to the bench as well. I don't think it'll be a Roof Morelos uh, up top. Um, by and large as well, I don't think the two up top naturally worked amazingly well uh, against Hibs. I thought there was little flashes, but I'm not entirely convinced. That, and I don't think those two players naturally work no. overly well together as well, particularly when you're throwing in a, uh, a Ken uh, and then later on a Hadji and stuff like that. So that's what I think the, the work. We know that Tad's not fit. We know that Jack's not fit. 
So that midfield conundrum we've looked at, and we've spoken about Joe Rebo earlier. Um, and then we just need to sharpen that up. I, I sense that Arfield might be a good starting berth uh, for that. You know, if you dropped Roof out, you could keep a Rebo and have Arfield in as well. And so then you drop a Rebo in behind, so to speak, and you get Arfield maybe doing uh, the, the doggy work a little bit deeper as well, which allows Davis to take half a step back yeah. and take from a slightly deeper place. That's workable, I think. And, you know, you guys discussed it earlier as well. We need to be ready and set up to counter the fact that Celtic will try and dominate on the wide spaces. And we have to be set up not only to fight that, but do a better job in the midfield than we've done in the last couple of old firms. Yeah. Because by and large, Celtic have overrun them and chopped us up a little bit um, and just haven't had the presence of mind to, to take their chances. Um, I think, you know, we need to keep an eye on guys like Alien Ursi and all that who've come into a bit of form that's about as much as I know about Celtic at this point in time. But we do need to have that balance. And I think if you're dropping Roof out and you're sticking with Kent and stuff like that, then bringing in uh, Scott Arfield might work. Or you could make, and this is the last point, a little bit more changes in that. You drop Roof out, you drop a Rebo out, you replace a Rebo with Scott Arfield and you take a punt and you replace um, Roof with Wright and you allow... You allow Ken Wright, Marino, right, that's it, though. Uh, you allow Ken, Ken and Wright to transfer over, knowing fine well they also put in the shift coming back, so you can drop back into a midfield um, five, that would be if you like, to cover more space with Arthur dropping slightly deeper to protect um, Stephen Davis, or indeed going slightly further forward to be that extra man running beyond, which both of those guys can do as well with a pace. That will give guys like Forrest and their fullbacks, etc., a lot more to think about. And by definition, we'll ask Ayer to step further back because he's the only centre-back with reasonable pace at that club. So that would be my only other throw into the hat. I love the options that we've got, Robbie, right now, moving into the sort of back end of the season with the two big Celtic games coming up. I think my question to you is, where would you play Zungu? Joking aside, do you go a... a Along the three in midfield, and you spoke about this earlier on, do you, do you go with Davis, Kamara and Aribo? Or are you, similar to Tommy, are you looking at the possibility of playing Aribo slightly more advanced and maybe uh, sort of forfeiting Kamar Roof for the game? Yeah. I think, even though last week I said that I think whoever played in Hibs would probably play the old firm game. I think, given the way the Hibs game went, I don't think you can go with that midfield again. I just... I, just for the aforementioned reason, I'll go over it again. So I, I, create, I think there's a good chance that Arfield comes back in for Roof and Aribo moved up one because I think Gerard seems to call upon Aribo in a lot of the big games, so I'd be surprised uh, if he wasn't to start the weekend. Uh, but I, I don't, I'd be, I would be quite surprised if we did uh, persist for that middle three because, again, we've been too critical of him, uh, too critical of him. I don't actually think Aribo's played many great games against Celtic, particularly when he's been in the middle three. So yeah. uh, for that reason, coupled with how the sort of weekend went, I think it would make sense to bring Arfield back into midfield and then possibly push any what one. But I, I'm also not against the shout of Scott Wright playing. The only argument I would make is if he started last week, I'd maybe have felt a bit more comfortable with it. But because he's only started one game against Cove Rangers, uh, and I don't know when the last start he would have had in domestic football. That's probably the only sort of point you could make against him starting to maybe would be a bit unfair on him. But I certainly would be against it because I think he showed a lot 
uh, when he has played. And seeing these kind of games, I think, see having pace, I think it's a massive advantage because it's going to be two teams, you know, attacking each other. So I think as well, games against the Celtic side, I think they've struggled against sort of quick players. I feel like it, how Kent's normally performed against them is normally very, very, very good. And even like, we think back to like the goal Josh Windass scored at Ibrox and stuff, they, I always think that they do struggle against quick players. You look at their European games of loss as well. I think they are one. Who's that mob that beat them 4-1? Prague? Uh, no, it wasn't, was it Slavia? It wasn't Slavia Prague, obviously. It's, um, it was Slavia. It was Slavia Prague because we played Sparta. It was Slavia Prague. Yes, sorry, yes, it was Slavia Prague. Uh, no, Sparta Prague. Sparta Prague. We played Slavia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to slowly get there in my mind. There's a, there a reason I ruled them out. <laughs> I'm talking about guys that are quick. Clearly, we are no quick because it took us three minutes. Oh, I'm, not even, get, I'm not even getting my, uh, <laughs> my wheelchair here. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think back to the game they played, they, they really struggled with, with their left winger last week that night because they had loads of pace. So I think, again, that's my point. I, I wouldn't be against Scott Wright playing just because of, of that aspect. Scott, I don't know about yourself. What do you think? It's a really difficult one. I, I, would, I think I would start Arfield and I'd start. A rebo ahead of Roof. Um, I I just think that Arfield offers a bit more of a a mentality that you need for old firm games in the centre of the park as much as anything else. I think it also takes a rebo out of that area of the centre of the park where things can get a wee bit touchy in in these sort of games. And a rebo don't isn't a, a great fan of of getting up and in front of people and right in their faces. Whereas if Scott Arfield's playing. Um, you know you're going to get that with him. He'll he'll sort of he'll leave a leave a couple of um, legs in as and when is required. Whereas with Joe Aribo, you're just not going to get that. And it, it comes back to what I said earlier on. I think playing three footballers in the centre of the park in that old firm tie often doesn't work. Um, while we all want to see sexy football, of course we do, and want to see football all across the pitch. I think in the Rangers Celtic game, you have to have someone sitting in there who is prepared to hustle and bustle. And um, maybe do the things that aren't so sexy. Um, and well, I, I think. Well, I was going to say one to that, because I agree with what you're saying there, right? I think we all agree in terms of that, that midfield. One thing none of us have mentioned, so I'll put the question to you guys, right? Uh, which is given that uh, I suspect Celtic will start with pace and guys like Forrest might actually get a starting berth now that he's fit and stuff like that as well. And they will look to exploit the fullbacks. Hellander or Balogun? Hellander. Hollander, audio. Good. Okay. Well, question, right? That's fine. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I, I mean, I'm happy with that. I'm just testing the water with you guys. I'm never right. sure. I, you know, I think one of the, for all Hellander doesn't have, I mean, it's, it's well sort of documented about how his pace lets him down, but his mental pace, Tommy, you like that? His mental pace, yeah. I think, is, is as good as anything we've got. I, I genuinely think it's you're looking at a footballer who it's quite clear he's played at the top level in Italy. It's so obvious he's played in a relaxed, defensive environment because he strolls through the games that he plays. He absolutely strolls through them. Unbeaten um, in a Rangers jersey in the league. Unbeaten. Incredible but, record for, for him to, to carry on, hopefully, um, throughout the end of the season. Yeah, subject to, obviously, speculation from, from England as well. And I suggest, yeah, since a couple of those clubs are trying to get in early before they probably nails down a starting place for Sweden and has yeah. good Euros. 
uh, as well. The one thing I would say though is, given the way that I think Celtic will set up and play, and I, I'm on record as saying I love Helander, he's my, him and Goldson are my centre-back pairing, full stop, yeah, until such time as Nikola Katic can get, get fit and, and show what he's potentially capable of. I have high hopes, but they were subject to before the knee issues. Um, would be, Helander has been a bit, sub, well, he's been suspect on conceding two goals. I thought his placement at the weekend was, um, you could question it. And yeah. then his goal in the old firm game, when I think it was El Yunus he scored. Yeah. He definitely made a bit of a, a, a something. And I think there'll be a lot of crosses coming into our box. That's fair. Um, so, th- not that I would change it. I, I'm with you guys. I'm absolutely on the Helander, you know, goals and train. But I'm, I'm just saying he needs to be very aware of that. But I do like uh, mental speed. That's one that we can stick in the This Is Ibrox dictionary. Listen, you're welcome. And, and, and your day job of, of using numbers, you're more than welcome to use it in there as well. Oh, God, no chance. God almighty. People would laugh me at the film. So listen, before I let you guys go for this week, we should add in our congratulations to the women's team who continue a, a real rich uniform after um, returning from the, the break that, that COVID sort of knocked them out with 5-0 at the training centre against Spartans. We have our next edition of the women's pod this coming Thursday. We're hopefully going to be joined by the women's captain on the, on the pod this week. So we're really looking forward to that with myself. Uh, Graham Falk and Courtney McKenzie will join us. Courtney was lucky enough to be at the game yesterday. She has done a really good match report from the game. Uh, jump onto our website, thiscyberox.co.uk, to have a look. All of our other stuff is on there, of course, as well. Completely free charge all our interviews with guys like Warburton, Durant, Weird the Bird, you know the drill. We've done it before. Get on there and have a look. You can also look back at the historical pods as well. We've got a lot in there um, and some dodgy-looking coupons in there as well. Uh, Robbie, thanks for joining us. We look forward to reviewing the, the, the old firm game again next Monday. I hope you have a cracking week. We'll do it again next week. Thank you very much for having me again, mate. Thank you. And Tommy, same to you. Look forward to reviewing yet the, uh, another old firm game next week and hopefully um, uh, a clear pathway into the, the Scottish Cup final, all things being well. Fingers, fingers crossed. Here's his hope for a good result. Keep an eye on our socials for the, the Champions Top giveaway that we will be doing over the next couple of weeks from our good friends at Triple H Mortgages. Have a fantastic week. Good luck to Rangers next weekend. Bye-bye. Brooks, your Rangers podcast. Brought to you by Triple H Mortgages. The one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them on 01453 887179 or via email hello at Fire's raging, I'm shaking. You wanna go out? I wanna stay in. Wild.